Welcome to season four, episode eight of Burn Talk. You're now listening to the podcast that keeps it real all the time. I'm your host, Jay, back again with another brand new episode. Today, I'm welcoming, welcoming a debut guest. His name is Chris. Say what's up to the audience and tell us how you're feeling tonight. Yo, what's up? Feeling pretty good, man. Finally making my debut. You know, I've been been following the podcast for a while, so, you know. Love to hear it. Love to hear it. And you guys already know, the second person on the show, welcome back, Tommy. Say what's up to the audience and tell us how you're feeling. What's up, guys? Thank you, Jay, for having me on yet again. Appreciate the opportunity. Uh, feeling great tonight. Uh, you know, can't wait to get into um, what we're going to talk about today. I'm really excited for this. All right, let's get straight into it. I think this is probably the latest I've ever recorded a pod because it's, it's midnight right now. Don't think I've ever recorded on this late, but we're ready I'm, to go. I'm about to go sleep. For real, I'm just late. Up. But we're going to talk some late night hoops and uh, late night Stanley Cup. Um, so first question, Tommy, I was going to ask you, like, how's the experience after the Heat beat the Celtics in game seven? Like, what was the city like? What was the vibe like? Um, after the game one, um, you know, I, I fooled around a little bit, you know, jumped in the pool right after the win, you know, felt great. And then, like, 20 minutes later, I hit the streets, you know, went to um, went to Bird Road, down to um, a spot that we have called um, La Carreta. But let me tell you, so many people, so many people came out, pots and pans, everything, flags. Every, I'm, I'm telling you, it's such a different experience. I mean, people are crazy. I mean, and even then, there were like some parts I couldn't get to. Like in Hialeah, there's a street there, 49th Street, very famous too for parades and shit. Um, they were going just as crazy too. I mean, there was a video that was going on. Um, and it was only in there, I think, that posted or something like that. Or it might have been on Twitter too. I don't remember, but there were people who bought a, a portable basketball hoop and just let people shoot around it. It was like funny as hell. So like, yeah, overall, like it was just a it was just a cool experience. I mean, I was never like I've never done it before like that, like in my own car and with my boys and stuff like that. But I mean, everybody's going crazy. The whole pretty much the whole city came out. Even even cops and firefighters were were tagging along in the celebrations. So I mean. I can't imagine what would happen if, you know, he can go all the way. Yeah, speaking of the portable basketball hoop, I thought that was wild, that picture you sent with the dude in the back of the truck with the uh, – Oh, my God. oh yeah, that was crazy. Yeah, that picture was crazy. Yeah, yeah. So, dudes, dude just took a stop sign, basically, and they just took it with him. That came up on Only and Dead as well. That was – you know, that was funny. Yeah, I can't wait, but – uh before we talk Nuggets and finals, um, let's talk about the Celtics a little bit because there was a scare. We, we almost blew a 3-0 lead. And I don't know about y'all, but, like, going into game seven, I was pretty confident that we were going to get it done. Like, I just mm-hmm. got a random optimism, like, when I woke up that day that we were going to get it done because Jimmy was going to get revenge from last year. So, like, how are you feeling about – game seven and watching it and then seeing us blow them out Chris um you know it was crazy I mean going into game seven I'm not gonna lie I was not very confident uh the main reason being I mean they they put together three huge games you know I mean coming back from three like that I mean it's tough it's so tough to get your guys confident enough to even do that and then they get that amazing tipping and you know game six and that I mean it takes the whole energy out of our team our crowd you know and it gives them all the momentum and then game seven they go back to Boston and they go to TD Garden which is one of the most volatile sporting arenas you could go to like the Boston Celtics crowd they go fucking crazy they are they have energy and so you know to go back there game seven where we could potentially have one of the biggest chokes in NBA history. I mean, that that's scary, but I mean, sure. we 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 really set the tone early, man. We we came out, came out firing. And we just we we looked really solid like the whole game. And I don't know, man. It was just it was, I was still nervous after the first half. Even though we were playing well, 
Boston was missing a lot of open, easy looks, and so they could have easily swung it around. But then we go into the second half, and we just, I mean, we pile it on. And then we go to the fourth. And then, I mean, we we won that fourth, like, two to three minutes in. Because if you, you look, we went into the fourth, and we went on a run. And then we just kept going and going, and the league got up to 20. And, I mean, after the first half, you know, my confidence only went up. And by the fourth quarter, I was like, yeah, we we won this. And, and that was amazing, man, to, to destroy Boston like that on their home court. It's a crazy, crazy win. There's nothing better because the, the fans were quiet, like, the whole Absolutely. second half pretty much. Especially with the – I mean, Boston and Miami have such a rivalry. Like, go back to the big three. For sure. Those LeBron-Boston matchups, literally some of the – craziest matchups like game six of the 2012 eastern conference finals like you, you look back at that and i mean we we have such a deep history with the celtics and so to come come out there on their home court in a game seven and to beat them up like that to go on to the finals i mean that's special man especially since we only had a three percent chance predicted to win that series i mean that's great that it's historic we're the we're the we're one of the few eighth seeds to make the finals. And if we win, we would be the very first. I mean, it'd be crazy. We're the second eight seed in history yeah. to do that. Yeah, 1999 Knicks. And the Knicks, they – wait, did they win the title? Or did they lose? They, the Knicks did not win the title. They did year. not. They lost. No okay. eight seed has ever won. So it could be the first eight seed to win the title. Yes, sir. And, uh, yeah, speaking of Game 7 in Boston, I was still like all the odds were stacked against us. And I think it said the Heat had never won a Game 7 on the road or Spo, something like that. So that was also a first, too. And like you said, with the 3%, I thought that was pretty crazy that we pulled it out because I initially, I thought we were going to sweep, but um, I was talking to Tommy about it. I think maybe if there was an adjustment in game four with like the high Smith and Zeller minutes, maybe mm-hmm. we would have slipped. But that's just how I saw it. I don't know about y'all. I mean, yeah, no, I was, I, look, I was very surprised that it took Spo all the way to game seven to make those like Cody Zeller, Haywood adjustments. I mean, those, 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 those should have been made way earlier, in my opinion. I'm surprised he missed that. Now, I was going to speak on um, my thoughts for the Highsmith minutes. I mean, game five, we saw a bit of Highsmith um, when Gabe Vincent missed that game due to the sprained ankle he got in game four. Um, those minutes were really solid. I mean, I don't understand why we didn't use them at all in game six and we went back to Zeller. I mean, I think if you play Highsmith in game six, the series is probably closed out there. But at the end of the day, Spo realized his mistake in game seven, played plugged in Highsmith and cut Kevin Loves and Cody Zellers completely just, just went small. And I mean, look how that turned out. I mean, the heat defense in game seven was ridiculously good. I mean, some of it was Boston missing some good looks, but I mean, credit to the heat defense. They were running them off the three-point line, forcing them into tough contested shots. Um, ran the shooters off the three-point line and made them burn everything inside, basically. So, got to give credit to Spo for adjusting and to the rest of the guys for playing their asses off on defense because defense wins championships, and he and he cultures all about that defense first. There's a question for both of y'all. Where, where do you rank Spo all-time history coaches-wise? Well, uh, that's tough. That's tough. But, I mean, you got, you got guys like Phil Jackson – Greg Popovich, Pat Riley, Red Auerbach, Spo, and I mean those are like the top coaches I can name right now. So like, he's I mean look he's a hundred percent top ten, no doubt about it, easily top ten. And I think you can make an argument for top five, but um, it's hard to rank coaches, man, because they they can have such a different experience with each team they go to. So it's like you know, like you take a guy like Doc Rivers who's been on so many different teams. And has had, you know, success and he's had losses. And so, you know, it's hard to rank certain coaches because sometimes they're great and sometimes they suck. But, yeah, those are those are some good coaches. Those are the best coaches I can name. 
I'll keep this answer very simple. I'll just put Spo guarantee top 10, and he's looking into cracking the top five. I'll just keep it that simple. Spo is a damn good coach. I don't understand how he hasn't won a coach of the year yet. Yes, Next year, we need to make sure Spo gets a coach of the year award. That's all I got to say about that. Uh, I think he should have won it at least twice, the 66 win season in 2013. He lost to George Carl I for agree. some reason. And, yeah, I don't, I don't get that one. Well, I guess they they had a um, a losing record, tied record, but the uh, the forty one and forty one season, he should have got some looks at least. But yeah, hopefully he wins one eventually. But like I said, he's a first ballot Hall of Famer, no question. But um, let's talk about the players now. So first, I want to talk about Caleb Martin, the dog. Thank you. Jermaine Cole, sent him to the Heat. Um, he he was amazing. He averaged like 20, I think it was. A lot of people were debating if he should have won ECF MVP over Jimmy. So uh, what was your thoughts on Caleb and what he brought to the team? I mean, go um, on. Caleb, is, Caleb is the spark plug this Heat team needed, let me tell you. Yeah, he's undrafted and all, but, I mean, those minutes Caleb gives you, I mean, each – Second, he's on the court. He's always contributing. He's always hustling. He's he's making a little extra effort plays that will teams over the top. I mean, and you saw exactly that in that Boston series. I mean, he he outplayed Boston's second star, in my opinion. I mean, I don't think that was hard to do that series. No disrespect to Jalen Brown. But Caleb outplayed on that series. I mean, he shot like 60% from the field and like, Almost 50% from three, I believe, in the series. And almost yeah. 90% from the free throw line. 68% from the field. I mean, 49% from three and 87% from the free throw line. Yeah, that's insane. That's insane. That's insane for one of our role players. I mean, Caleb was just amazing on both ends of the floor. I mean, and I'm, I'm impressed with his offense. I mean, his shot looks better. I don't know if you guys remember, like, he used to shoot with, like, a hitch in his, in his jumper. But now, like, he pulls it. It's just smooth. It's like he's so confident in himself right now. I mean, Caleb is taking a nice leap ever since he's been with the Heat. And mind you, he's on one of the best contracts in the league. That We signed him last year for three years, $20 million. I mean, once his contract runs out, if he keeps his level of play up, he's going to get paid some real good money. Yeah, uh, Tommy, I want to pick piggyback some off something you just said and that he has – so much confidence and I actually think that's such a big thing with every guy on Miami you know I mean we have so many role players that we need to step up you know and you you got guys like Duncan who never loses confidence Struess he doesn't lose confidence Gabe Caleb Bam Jimmy Spo like all these guys we we keep each other's confidence level so high that you know, we, we get games like this from Caleb or series like this from Caleb where, you know, we, we, we tell, we can give him the ball and be like, you got it, man. Do your, do your thing and you got it. Cause you're a dog and he'll go out there and do that. And I mean, it's just, it's amazing what the confidence we can give our guys. And then the fact that they can produce like this, it's very special. I mean, you don't see a lot of organizations like this that'll trust guys and trust their role players and trust undrafted players in the playoffs. But, you know, we assemble a group of players and we give, we give them all our confidence. And, and I mean, we just go from there and that's why you get series like this from Caleb, you know, it's big. Yeah. I think transitioning, like looking at last year when we lost to the Celtics, I think transitioning from uh, PJ Tucker to Caleb Martin in the fourth spot was also huge because PJ, he was a great defender, obviously, but all he did on the offensive end was stand in the corner. So that was kind of like a, somebody that the Celtics didn't have to worry about. And then you insert Caleb Martin, like he's athletic, he's fast, he can shoot, you know, he can defend, he can do all that on the offensive end that PJ couldn't do. So I feel like that was a uh, something that the Celtics had to take into account defensively and that that helped us out a lot. Um even though it still went to seven, but obviously we got over the hump this time. And uh, 
you know, I noticed a lot of people were mad about PJ leaving, but I, I like Caleb a lot better in this slot uh, for this offense. At first, I was one of those people that was mad, to be honest. I'm not going to lie to you. Because, I mean, you, you're you shot away from the finals and you don't make any offseason improvements. And, I mean, you do nothing, really. Your offseason yeah. move is to make Caleb the four, which seemed undersized. But, I mean, as the season went on, he, he got more comfortable with that role. And we came to him come playoff time. We... We took Love out of our starting rotation, replaced it with Caleb. And then, I mean, sky's the limit from there, as we can see. Caleb's just been – he's just been producing on on each end of the court. I mean, his offense has been crazy. Like, it's been a lot better than last season in those short stints that he had. And his defense is always going to be there. Like, Caleb prides himself on his defense, and then that defense will turn into – quick energy and offense for the rest of the guys. Um, I, me personally, I think he should have been conference finals MVP. Yeah, it's, it's mean, debatable. Shout out to Caleb Martin. Shout out to Caleb Martin, man. He played one hell of a series, and I can't wait to see what he's going to do in the finals. Yeah, the Eastern Conference finals MVP is very debatable because obviously Caleb played such a consistent, great series, but then Jimmy had the bigger games and then, you know, the stats make it look tough because Jimmy averaged about 25 and Caleb averaged 19. But Caleb was so efficient and Jimmy was very inefficient. Jimmy only shot 42% from the field, 35 from three. Um, Otherwise, that Jimmy has a huge lead on steals, but the numbers are similar and, um, and assists. But I think Jimmy just beats him out in the like raw numbers and then obviously i mean being the guy who led us here in the first place i think the media will never give that to a guy like caleb but definitely deserving i mean they're both very deserving and they both had a great series and um i hope they carry that i have to agree at the end of the day at the end of the day the mvp award is a star driven award really i mean yeah no you don't see many role guys at all win those type of awards so i understand also why they gave it to jimmy yeah and I know Jimmy doesn't care about the MVP anyway. He's looking forward to getting the Larry O'Brien. So we can go ahead and talk about that. And, you know, just looking forward, um, the Nuggets, they played the Wolves, the Suns, and the Lakers. Um, I'll say we had a tougher road, but they're obviously the number one seed in the West. So it's going to be tough. So I'm just asking, like, what what do y'all look forward to? Um what rotations should be made because obviously we went small against Boston. So should we go bigger against Denver since they got some taller guys? Um, like what what do you want to see from the Heat tomorrow night in game one? Well uh Chris, you want this question first or speaking about going big, we really can't. And that's that's actually I think it's gonna be a big problem in this series is that Denver is massive they they can put out such a big lineup with guys like mpj Jokic, you know even small murray is pretty tall for a point guard but um i mean they're overall they're, they're just a bigger lineup and we're, we're a small ball team we've been a small ball team for a while especially with bam uh we kind of have to run the small ball around them to try to get a shooting big like kevin love because that's how the lineup works better but um i don't really know what we'll what we're going to do for size. I mean, I think we're just, I think, I don't really think we can make like lineups based on size. I think it's mostly just going to be trying to run the best lineups we have and just hope we can out hustle them on the boards and try to box them out well enough so that the size doesn't become too big of a problem. Obviously on defense, we're probably going to run the zone a good bit. I mean, especially, well, I mean, the big issue is with the guy like Jokic, one-on-one against anybody in the league, he will he'll drop 40 and 20. Like you can't stop him one-on-one. You just yeah. can't. He's generational. That's just how it is. He's gonna then you double him. Mm-hmm. You you double him. Okay. So now he's he's one of the best passers in the league. He's gonna make that read. He's gonna make that find. And Denver, their chemistry is so good. They'll swing the ball around, they'll crack apart a zone. Maybe. I mean, we'll have to see, but I mean, it's going to be very tough to defend against them. I'm sure they're preparing for the zone after watching the Boston series. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I was going to jump in here with this, uh, with that point. Um, the zone, I don't think will be as effective on Denver. I mean, Jokic is just one hell of a player. I mean, when we played Denver early in the year, Jokic tore up our zone. I mean, sure, I mean, might have been different back then to now, but I mean, still, I mean, he tore up our zone and, you know, that's just, I mean, you can't do anything about that. I mean, that's just how great of a player Nikola Jokic is. I mean, he's seven foot two almost, I think. He can shoot the ball. He can facilitate from in, from any spot on the court. I mean, he you can literally, he can be triple team, double team, the worst spot ever, and he'll, he'll throw a dime to somebody somehow. I mean, that's just the type of player he is. So I think the Heat need to play a bit more, man, and they need to hold their own ground. They need to have a lineup out there that can switch on screens one through five. And then, you know, hope for the best. With Jokic, Bam's going to have that task. He's going to have to guard him one-on-one, to be honest. Um, is Jokic going to get um, stopped completely? No. I mean, that's that's the best play. That's been the best player in the league for the past two years now. So stopping Jokic, you're not going to do. Your best hope is to slow him down, you know, hustling, out-rebounding him, going going after loose balls, all that stuff, hustle plays, make Jokic tired. Because Jokic eventually is going to get his. Jokic will get his. But you need to find a way to slow him down and not get the others involved. That's been Denver's bread and butter, especially in the fourth. It's been Jokic and Jamal. Um, I was watching a YouTube video today on Jamal Murray. It was MJ Today, I believe. Um, they were talking about Jamal Murray's efficiency. Um, he's 75% efficient when he goes to his right hand, and he's only 25% efficient when he's going to his left. So, I mean, and in the fourth quarter, all it is with the Nuggets really is Jokic, Murray, pick and roll. You can't let Murray get to his right hand or he will he will cook our defense. So you got to force Murray to go left. Jokic like can get Brown. his, but you can't let him. Exactly. You can't let you can't let Jokic start facilitating to his other shooters. Like MPJ, uh, you got Aaron Gordon, you got KCP. You even got some guys out there bench like Bruce Brown, uh, Christian Braun. Um, guys like that, I mean, you, you just can't let Jokic get his role players involved with wide open shots. So he defense really needs to crack down. What do I expect with their lineup, though? I expect a bit of Kevin Love this series. I think he can be used this series, you know, with his um, ability to shoot the ball. And his size, too. He's also he's like 6'10", so he has some size on him. He can shoot. Um, Spo in media today said he we probably are going to see Zeller at some point in the series. I'm not a fan of it, but, I mean, whatever. It's all hands on deck at this point. Um, I'd like to see Haywood this series some more, see what he can do on defense to disrupt, disrupt some of their offense. You know, maybe have him on Jamal Murray a little bit, see how that goes. But, um, yeah, I mean, to sum it up, Jokic will get his, but you need to slow him down. You need to tire him out. Heel office needs to push the pace with Jokic on the floor, get him gas running around and all that type of stuff, and then just don't let Jamal Murray get to his right hand in the fourth with their um, pick and roll. Bro, we, we need to talk about Idris, Idris. I got beef with him, man. However you say it. Uh, we, Idris? Idris. Uh, what's going on? The uh, Just game seven. I think he had three possessions in a row. Derek White got scared, didn't look at the rim. Brick, sunk, whatever went wrong. If anything could go wrong, it went wrong. So I, I need um, – Bam to do something like what? What do you need to see from Bam in the finals, especially I against Jokic? I need, I need to see Bam be more aggressive and quicker with his decisions. He can't wait around and you know like wait for one of his shooters for a DHO or anything like that. He needs to be he once once he gets the ball, he needs to be quick. Either rip it and go attack the paint hard. Or quick, or cast the ball and get it to a shooter for a dribble handoff, pick and roll, you know, lob type shit. Bam can't be hesitant. That's been, that was the problem the last four, three or four games in the Boston series. Because from the Milwaukee series 
and the New York series and the first two games of the Boston series, we saw Bam be aggressive. Yeah, um, definitely. Uh, it would be nice to see quicker decision-making, not only from Bam, but from Jimmy too. I mean, Jimmy has had so many possessions where he just gets inside, looks at the rim, passes out, and then loves those pump fakes. And then same thing with Bam, you know, he'll drive in, pump fake, pump fake, and then just pass out. And you know, sometimes you just got to do a move and then go up with it, you know? And I think, I think it hurts Bam a lot because he'll lose confidence. He'll pump fake, they don't jump, and then he, he just, he's done. That's the whole uh, offensive possession for him. You know, he'll dribble, spin move, pump fake. And if that doesn't work, he just kind of, he just has to pass. And I think a lot of that is just him not being confident, you know. Um, why pump fake every shot if you're confident you can go get your bucket? I mean, I think. Yeah. Let, me, let me add one more thing to that when you said the pump fake. There were some times in the series, it was early in the Boston series, and in, in all the other series, really, I saw it. Um, the pick and roll game with one of the guards that leads to a bam pull up foul line jumper. I'd love to see a bit more of that too, because bam, bam can hit the mid, bam can hit that foul line jumper pretty consistently. He just, mm-hmm. you know, needs to get it and not be scared to shoot. There was a shot in game seven that he had more smart flop on it. I'm pretty sure. But he hesitated to shoot the ball even when he was open, and that pissed me off. I know we had a bucket on that possession still, but, like, it's those type of things that Ben needs to be like, okay, man, I'm wide open. I, I know I can make the shot. got to pull it. Yeah, um, no, I'm s- That's something I want to see some more of. Make it pop with Bam. Absolutely. And uh, speaking on Bam's, on Bam, when he had those few possessions when Derek White was guarding him, what we do not want to see from Bam is, I mean, he first two possessions with Derek White on him, and he, he shot jump shots. Like, yep. bro, you have Derek White guarding you. Why are you fading? You need to go inside. And then when he did go inside, he's missing layups. Which, bro, why are you doing a Why are you even taking a layup, bro? Dunk that. You are a big man. You are strong and athletic, bro. Dunk that on him. Like, why are you even attempting a layup? You've posterized bigger and better defenders. I mean, literally. And Giannis, too. And it just, I I don't know. He needs, like, I don't know, man. Look, with with mentality... It's it's hard because either guys have or they don't, you know, and Bam is just I don't think he's going to be really a player that becomes a number one or number two option where you give him the ball in the post and just let him go to work, you know, I'm maybe on better matchups, but not most of the time. But yeah, besides that, definitely want to see his jump shot more and teams honestly don't really respect his jumper. They leave him open a fair amount of times considering he can hit the midi and i just think if he gets any type of good look like just shoot it like he, mm-hmm. he definitely needs to establish that mid-range especially if they're going to offer it to him which i mean al horford in the, in the last series like sometimes bam would be at the mid-range and he wouldn't even walk out there he, he would just sit in the paint and i know he's a lot older but still i mean to to Give Bam that disrespect. He can hit those middies, and I think if he sees any type of look like that, then he needs to shoot that absolutely, and they'll drop. Um, I feel like he's he's more athletic and quicker than Jokic too. So I mean, maybe try to blow past. He's definitely way quicker. I was like, try to blow past him or something, but he didn't do it against Horford, and he's thirty-seven. So it's <laughs> true. Yeah, Horford blocked on his dunk attempt. Yeah, that was that was yeah. rough. pretty sure that was game five or six. But yeah, that, that was, was that was a tough dunk, man. Yeah, it was the one at home. It was game six when the uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Celtics got the momentum. Yeah, that that that's so embarrassing, man. Like, come on, bro. Thirty fucking million year old Al Horford. Like, bro, he's Bam's what 25, 26? Like, come on, bro. You 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 gotta. He he's gotta be better than that. 
He just has to. But also, though, I feel like we're doing a lot of ragging on him. He has been so phenom- phenomenal defensively. He's been passing very well. And he does so many things, even on offense, with the screens he sets, you know, the – I mean, he's really been so good, but but we definitely need him to lock up on offense if we want to win. Um, yeah, Bam has been just so good for us on defense and on offense. He does so many little things, but I want to see him shoot the midi when he gets it, and I just want him to be a bit more aggressive when he has good matchups down low. Like, if he has a guard on him – he has to take advantage. Like, I'm, I'm, I don't want him to go crazy on, like, you know, he's not got to post up Joel Embiid and Giannis every possession and then drop 30. But when he has a good matchup, he 100% has the skills to take care of that. And that's what I want to see from him. Yeah, for sure. It just, I don't know. It, it got to me. I'm glad we won. But I, I feel like we say this every like since he's got drafted, like he doesn't take advantage of uh, smaller players when they're on him. And then in the off season, you watch all these videos of him doing all these post moves and all this, and then he just doesn't do it. But I guess you can say that for a lot of people. Uh, I also feel like he he can shoot the three. He doesn't shoot them. Uh, I don't know if that's a schematic thing or he just doesn't want to shoot them, but. If he's I think it's definitely schematic because we have seen him shoot threes. And his jumper does a good to, to knock him down. So I think it is part of Spoh's game plan. But um, maybe we'll see Maybe we'll see some of it next season. I don't know. I mean, we say that every season and we don't get it. But I would just, hope to see it uh, at some point. Really quick, um, I'm surprised that during the regular season this year, Spoh didn't give him like – two threes a game like why not they're not going to guard him out there just give him like two possessions two threes just let him like take a shot you know i don't right. know why I mean, we don't shot a give couple him threes this season That's yeah but it. those i think those were more like buzzer beat like the shot clock was winding down they weren't just like oh bam here's a three you know i might be mistaken on that maybe i'm thinking of last season but yeah. i definitely i definitely would like to see bam get some threes up next season yeah now now is probably not the time to try that but i'm saying <laughs> definitely like, not yeah in, in the regular season like you're saying, give him two threes a game or something, or if he's open, just shoot him at least. Because mm-hmm. I know. I need to dang the lab with Chris Bosch and with Shaq. Facts. Word. And um, let's talk about our our second leading scorer, Tyler Hero. He's apparently coming back in Game Three. How important or how impactful do you think that'll be? Or um, do you agree with the people on Twitter who say if he like the Heat play better without Tyler Hero, all that, or do you think he'll be impactful to the series, bringing 20 points per game back? Listen, whenever you bring back your second leading scorer and he's a 20-point-per-game scorer, you'll take it any day of the week. I mean, sure, it'll be his first game in like a month or so, but when you bring back a 20-point-per-game, three-level scorer with the skill that Tyler has, I mean – You'll take it any day. I mean, there's always times where the heat offense goes cold. Tyler Hero can be that guy to spark your offense for like a good few minutes until everybody gets back to normal. So his impact for whenever he comes back, it'll be there. Now, the question with me is, I don't know whose minutes he's going to take. I don't want it to be Duncan's minutes because Duncan has played very well this playoff run. So, yeah, I, um, I hope it's not Duncan's minutes that get cut. But at the end of the day, you are bringing back a 20-point-per-game three-level scorer with incredible skill. So, I think anyone should gladly take that back. So, whoever's out there saying that the Heat played better without Tyler Hero, please shut the fuck up. That's a 20-point-per-game score that you can most definitely use some way and somehow. Or somehow in some way. Yeah, um, I think, you know, you start him off all on the bench, and that's the perfect role for him. And there's no way he doesn't give us good buckets off the bench, you know? I mean, like you said, he's 20-point-per-game scorer. The only thing is you don't really know because he, like, will he be extremely rusty, you know? He could easily go in there and just, you know, have games where he's, like, 3 for 8, and then maybe goes, like, 4 for 12, you know? I could easily see that coming off a broken hand and then going playing in the finals, um, but he definitely needs to play 100%. There's a uh, no, re- I mean, you could look, Struess 
did not have a good Eastern Conference Finals. Lowry did not have a great one. Not that Hero could, you know, take Lowry's minutes when you think of a backup point guard, but I, there's definitely a space for him on the team, you know? I, would, Listen, I wouldn't mind seeing him take Struz's minutes. A good way for Tyler to come back, which is probably going to happen, he's going to come back during a home game for us. I don't think people are going to realize how big that would be for his confidence. He can gain that confidence he had right back immediately with our home crowd. Our home crowd loves Tyler Hero, and Tyler Hero loves our home crowd. You know, goes both ways. So with him potentially coming back at home for us would be huge for his confidence. So I don't think he might be a little bit rusty to, to start, you know, and like shake off the jitters. But once he gets acclimated to our home crowd, he'll be just fine. Bruh, I got called crazy for saying um, – I'm going to call him out. Silas P. Silas, I don't know if you know who I'm talking about on Twitter. I do. I do know Silas. Yeah, he – I said we need to bring Tyler off the bench when he comes back for game three, and he said, let's not start this. Uh, I don't know what you're talking about. Why should we start him? He's going to be rusty. I mean, he he was the sixth man of the year last year. I, I don't see an issue with it. Him I don't see an issue bringing him off the bench either. I mean, the question, again, is just whose minutes you're going to cut, you know. But, of course, we'd love to see Tyler here come back at some point. And obviously, I think he will. I mean, to be honest, I'd rather see Tyler at center than fucking Cody Zeller. So, honestly, yeah, I'd have to agree. I think we can figure that out. You know, Kevin Love should be the backup thing, and then you insert Haywood if you need to. But yeah, being as unbiased as possible, we got three Heat fans here, but as unbiased as possible, uh, what is your prediction for the series? Um, we can go game by game, actually, if you want. So I'll start. All right. I'm, right. I'm feeling heat in six. I'm not going to lie. I know it just said unbiased, but <laughs> it's, it is something about this team. I don't know. Uh, I, I just feel like this is Jimmy's year to to do it. And I would say the heat, heat take game one. Uh, Denver's been resting for like, Two weeks, week and a half. Nine so, days they've rested. Yeah, I feel like they're going to be rusting in game one. We're just coming off of game seven, so I feel like it's going to carry over a little bit. And then Denver takes game two. Um, yeah, it's going to be tough to win in Denver because the Heat haven't won in Denver since 2016, which is wild, uh, back when Whiteside was on the team. They're one and eight since 2018, I believe. Yeah, and uh, I was one and eight. Since 2018, yeah, something like that. Yeah, so I don't Dami and the altitude. It said like Miami is six feet above sea level, Denver is 5,280 feet above sea level. And the media keeps talking about the altitude. I don't know if it's going to make a difference or not because we're pretty well conditioned. Both said the Heat don't give a shit about that. Now they can tip it off at Everest if they want to. So that gives right. me that, that tells me I'm not going to use the altitude as an excuse if we lose. Right. I was saying, and the Heat used to be the most conditioned team in the league. So I'm sure they're not worried about that. But, um, yeah, the media keeps bringing it up. So I said something today in the pressure that if it comes down to that, we can turn the AC off in Miami if you have to. Facts, facts. Yeah. Um, I was like, the altitude must not be that crazy if uh, Denver's just not making the finals. But I, I'm off that. We won't get into that. Uh, yeah. Denver, yeah, I said Denver takes game two. It's going to be tough to win two in a row. But, um I say Miami wins game three and four. Denver wins game five. Miami wins game six. And uh, that's my current prediction. It may change by the time I wake up, but that's what I got right now. So, uh, Chris, let's let's go with yours game by game. I'm actually going to swing it over to Tommy. Um, I'll, let, I'll let Tommy go here. Oh, good. All right. All right. Okay. So, the Heat's formula really for this whole playoff run has been to take game one. You know, they drop game two normally, protect home court, and then either close it out on the road or close it out at home in six. I think the Heat are going to stick by that formula. I think they're going to come out in game one, make a statement, you know, punch first. Always want to get the first punch in the series, especially game one. You know, it's going to set the tone. I think Heat are going to win game one by, like, a good six, seven points, I think. 
Um, game two, I think the Nuggets are gonna have. I think the Nuggets are gonna have their way with us in game two. I'm not gonna lie to you. So it'll come back to Miami, one-one. I think the Heat win a very close one in game three. In game four, the Heat also win a close one. And then you're going back to Denver in game five. Denver won't go out like pussies. They'll, they'll win game five. And then game six is going to come down to the wire. And I think the Heat come out on top in six. So my, brain, my brain says to pick Denver in six, but my heart says to take Miami in six. And I'm going to trust my heart. Yeah, I agree with you on that. Oh uh, yeah. yeah, so I it's think ex- the only two. I think it's only going to be two blowouts: game two and game five. And blowouts mean by like twelve points. Every other game will be close. I don't know if you guys saw what two K posted for their um, simulation for the finals, but they had some high scoring. Oh, yeah, that was games. ridiculous, bro. Yeah, you, they had the most teams averaging like one thirty-five a game. Like there was a game that was one fifty-one to one thirty. I'm like, what the. I want to know the last time we even scored 135. Like, I think we scored 130 something this season, to be honest with you. Oh, yeah. Also, it said the, the road team is winning every single game. In the yeah, season. that's ridiculous. No, that's not that's happening. That's not happening. <laughs> that's not happening, man. All right, Chris, you can go now. Um, yeah, it's uh, I definitely like hearing what you guys are saying. Uh, I definitely want the Heat to win. Doing it in six would be great. But I'm not gonna lie, my prediction is a bit different. Game one, I have Denver taking it. Um, I think it's gonna be decently close, but honestly, I'm I'm looking at like a 10 to 15 point Denver win. Only because I mean, look, our first game here in Denver is gonna feel like a shotgun blast to the chest. All right, it's gonna be rough. Um, I think we have to get used to it. We have to get used to playing Denver, and I think we're gonna lose the first game. But you know, you know what Bron said, it's warm up game. I think game two, I think we'll definitely – I think we'll strike back. I think we'll get a win. Um, again, I think it's going to be real close. Could be, like, heat by eight, ten. Um, I don't think really any of these games, maybe one or two at most are going to be blowouts, but definitely no more than that. It's definitely going to be a real close series. So I have it 1-1 going back to Miami, and then um, I see he going up 2-1. And then probably I'd see it being tied. I'd see it going two-two back to Denver for Game Five. I just I think they're they're just so tough, man. I, I think it's really gonna go game by game. I don't think any team is just gonna you know win two in a row and kind of take that lead. Um, and then in Game Five, honestly, from here on out, I really don't know. I mean, I'm pretty confident it'll be tied at two-two, no matter what. But honestly, from game five out, it really just depends how the series is going. Like, you got to look at who's hot and who isn't. Because we, if Jimmy is red hot, then I think we will win. Because Jimmy is a guy that is shown he can lead a team by himself. He did it in the 2020 finals. He did it for multiple games. Mm-hmm. He can absolutely put a team on his back. And if he is having a good series, he can do it against Denver. But, I mean, if Jimmy struggles, we will get destroyed. And I, I think if Jimmy's having a good series, if all our guys are playing decent, I mean, I think we will. I think we could easily win a game five and then maybe lose six, but then win in seven. I think it's, I think it's either Heat in – honestly, I'm thinking Heat in seven or Nuggets in six. I think – I don't think the Nuggets will win game seven if – it happens, and I don't really think the Heat are going to win Game Six. I think it's going to be way too close for that. Winning Game Seven, going to close out on home floor. Yeah, if it uh, comes down to it, that'd be tough. It would be, but uh, look, man, Jokic, Jokic is no joke. That man is absolutely generational, for sure. So I mean, I could see, I could easily see him being at home and being like, "All right, let's fucking let's let's clean this shit up," and then all of his guys are going to rally behind him. And it's going to get scary. And we're not going to be able to breathe up there. I think I also need to slow down Jamal because he averaged 30 against the Lakers. That can't happen. Like I said, I already mentioned it earlier. Got to force Jamal to go last. Can't even get to his right hand. 
And MPJ, I don't know who's guarding MPJ. Caleb, I guess. But I assume Caleb. Close out the three-point line. Or Jimmy. Or Jimmy gets an eye on yeah. MPJ. I could see Timmy, yeah. Jimmy's got a short take, wingspan. Gabe's probably going to take Jamal. Caleb's only 6'5"? Yeah, he can't guard MPJ, five. man. Yo, MPJ's 6'10", 6'11". Um, I think Andy's a shooter. not on Jamal, but I think in the fourth quarter, you switch it up. You put Jimmy on Jamal in the fourth. I like that. Put your best know. guys on, the, on their best guys in the fourth when it comes down to it. Just need a, a scrappy defender on MPJ, get in his airspace. But he's probably going to shoot over. Yeah. Put oh, Caleb on him or Highsmith. It was like six seven, right? Yeah, they're everybody on the team's on the size. Oh, he's six yeah. five too. Well, I think Haywood is way more athletic. Well, not way more athletic than Caleb, but hey, man. you saw Highsmith hold his own against Tatum. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I think Haywood is. Uh, I think Haywood can absolutely take on MPJ. I think, MPJ but then don't pass the rock. But then you're thinking like, okay, Haywood on MPJ. But then what? Like you don't start Haywood, right? So. Yeah, right. you would have to look at that matchup later in the game when the lineups have been shuffled around. Um, yeah, Denver, Denver's got a pretty big team, man. They have a pretty big team. I mean, so. this is, I mean, this is definitely the best. I think this team. is the hardest. Test, yeah. there, there is no other team in the league that would be harder. This is yeah, absolutely Milwaukee. the best team right here. Milwaukee uh, probably would be the only one up to discuss. Yeah, and maybe, even then, even you, you know, they're wrong with them. Yeah, that, that's another reason I'm so confident is because we beat Milwaukee in five. We have been, we have had a harder road to the finals. To be yeah. no disrespect to the Nuggets, because they are a damn good team and they are the one seed out west for a reason. But our path to the finals has been gruesome and we've had to face the hardest teams there. Yeah, that's the main and reason. Each team that we face has been bigger than us. Dominated Milwaukee and Milwaukee was the number one overall seed, I think. Yeah, they were the title favorite yep. heading into the playoffs. Yeah. The Bays. I, I had the Bucks winning the finals, actually. I had them or Boston. I'm so yeah. ready because I, I was talking to Tommy about this, like, in uh, 2013. I remember watching it. I was actually in Florida when we beat the Spurs. Um, I was in Panama City in the hotel room. I was just watching it. Uh, and, like, now I can actually, you know, go celebrate, do something about it since I'm old enough to do it. And, you know, it'll come full circle 10 years ago. Um, but, yeah, I'm ready for that. And it'll be one of the hardest rings ever. Might surpass Dirk. Uh, can win for Depot. You know, he's been struggling with the injuries and whatnot. And UD can ride off in the sunset, get his fourth ring, pass D-Wade. Yeah, man. I mean, I want to see this Heat championship so bad. I mean, I think, I think we definitely – we definitely have the guts to do it. And, I mean, hey, man, it's a seven-game series. Anything can happen. It's going to be close. Um, I definitely think we're – I mean, we're not going to lose confidence, you know. We're not going to We're not gonna get shaken up. We have a lot of strong-minded dudes on this team. And, yeah, it's going to be – it's going to be a really crazy series. It's going to be really good. But um, I'm really hoping for that Heat Championship, man. I want to celebrating – down in South Beach. I want Pat Riley to get his ring. I want Spo to get his ring. Get you D-ring. Jimmy, man. Jimmy deserves a ring so bad. For I mean, sure. And then and then hey, we win the we win the finals here. And then you look at next season, you know, and I mean, hey man, I'm not saying Dame's coming, and I don't really think he is, but hey man, all I'm saying is when if Dame wanted to be traded, he would want to win. And if the Miami Heat win the championship, who's he going to look at? You know, he's going to look at the champions. He's going to look at Miami. And, you know, I mean, we don't have the best package ever, but I think we have a really solid one. And uh, maybe look at Dane. Yeah, if we win, I go down there. Uh, I'm just going to start chanting 3%, see what happens after that. But, yeah, um, I think I think we're good on finals talk. I wanted to do something I've never done on the pod before, which is talk about hockey nhl and uh i know y'all watched it a little bit i was watching the series against um the panther series against the hurricanes and that i think it was triple ot or something like that that game was insane 
one of the first hockey games I've watched like for longer than five minutes. So that was pretty entertaining. And, uh, you know, it's good to see two South Florida teams in the finals and they're also both eight seeds. So could be making a lot of history and, uh, Katuk is nice. You know, I saw Jimmy wearing Katuk's jersey on Instagram, and uh, I'll, I'll definitely be watching the Panthers as well as the Heat because their schedules should be – they should be playing on different days. It should be an exciting series. I mean, Vegas is a really good team too. They just had a good series with the Dallas Stars. They were up 3-0. They won it 4-2. But it um, should be a good series. I mean, I like the Panthers in this series. I really do. Um, I think Panthers can take it in six. I mean, they won't have home ice advantage considering, you know, they're an AT. But something something special is brewing down there. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rock with the Panthers here. Yeah, what about you, Chris? I know you don't watch hockey, but you said you watched a little bit of the Panthers game, I think. Uh, yeah, I watched, uh, I watched the game where they went to the four overtimes. Yeah. Um, that was my first hockey game that I've ever watched in my life. And I actually, I was very surprised. I found myself enjoying it a lot. That was a really fun, competitive game. And I mean, it kind of, it's got me interested in hockey, you know, and I think I'll definitely tune in to the Stanley Cup, you know. Um, It'd be awesome to see both these eighth seeds win it all. And, you know, maybe I can find some interest in hockey too. But, you know, I I think it's very cool that, you know, Florida's winning like this. It's it's very fun for all the franchises and all their fans. And yeah, I think uh I mean, hey, you never know. Um when it's a seven game series, literally anything could happen. And I think you could definitely see the Panthers winning it all. And um I'm definitely gonna tune in. Yeah, I'm definitely gonna tune in and they've gotten this far, so I don't know much about Vegas. I just watch the Panthers mostly. So got to go with Kachuk and, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. Uh, I'll be watching. I'm, I'm going to try to get more into it because obviously the postseason is more entertaining than the regular season. But, yeah, we will be tuned in and uh, see what happens, try to make history. Oh, yeah, I talked to Tommy about that, too. I was like, what if they both win? There's like a, a joint parade. I, I don't know if this is right or not. I thought I saw something that said uh, like two – major teams have never won in the same year or something like that, like from the same metropolitan area. Yeah. Yeah, I think I saw that. ESPN, I think, or SportsCenter, or something, some shot like that, that posted it. Yeah. Yeah, so the Panthers and Heat both won. You know, imagine that city's going to be on fire. It'd be interesting to see. It'd be interesting to see if they do a joint parade. I mean, one is like 40 minutes away from the other. But I mean, this is it'd true. be interesting. I mean, I, I, I would, I would like to see a joint parade, but I don't think it would happen. Have you ever been up to the Sunrise to a game, or no? I have been to Sunrise. I have been to the arena, but I haven't been to um, a hockey game there yet. I've only been there for for a concert once before, but I definitely would like to go to a hockey game someday. I mean, my friend went to one of the ones, and he went to one actually this. This postseason against the Bruins, um, it's it's definitely a cool experience. It's, a, it's an interesting experience. Um, it's something I would like to um, try to do one day. But you know, obviously now I think um, tickets are getting expensive for both finals. You know, the Heat and the Panthers. So gotta come into one, and I'll take basketball any day. But maybe next season I'll. I'll go to a Panthers game. Yeah, it's definitely on my bucket list. I'll have to go to a Predators or a Hurricanes game, something like that, somebody near me. But I've I've talked to a lot of people that are hockey fans, and they say, like, it's one of the best sporting events to watch live. So definitely got that on my bucket list. Um, Yeah, that'd be fun to do, man. And I don't know, have you been to one, Chris? I'm assuming not. Have I been what? Have you been to a hockey game? I have just, not. Gotcha. And you know how they're like, they're always physical, tackling people. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they don't score much, but like in between the lines, it can be really entertaining. And uh, 
yeah, it's it's fun to get into. But yeah, I can't I can't really give a prediction on the Stanley Cup because I, I don't know. So I'm I'm not gonna say anything. I'm I'm just say Panthers and six. I'm copying Tommy. We'll just go with that. But uh might have yeah. to be Panthers and four. Can't hold you. Panthers and four, why not? Oh shit, you couldn't sweep. Yeah, because you know what, bro? Those them Panther boys, bro, they got something cooking out there. They ready. They ready, man. Panthers and four. They got that. See, I don't have the balls to fucking take a sweep against Vegas, but I respect it. Vegas don't want the smoke. Man, I was going to buy a, a Chuck jersey, like a Panthers jersey, but they're like, why are hockey jerseys so expensive? They're like $200, 250 Yeah. I need a hockey jersey. They're expensive as shit, though. They look clean. I might have to get one off of DH Gate, though, but they're pretty clean because I saw uh, Jimmy wearing the Kachuk jersey. And I do want one. So we'll see. I'm going to have to save up for one. But yeah, I think uh, that's the last topic we had, unless there's anything else y'all want to talk about. Any final thoughts for today? Uh, I'm good. I definitely think I uh, got everything out that I wanted to say. But um, I, I will say I'm very excited about both Florida teams. And I think I, I really, I really do like what I'm seeing. And, you know, I think both teams have a very good chance of winning it all. And I think, I think at least one of them will. I think, I think definitely at least one of them will. Oh yeah, for sure. So, you know, you know, even um, if, even if you're a bigger basketball fan and you're sad the heat loss, but if the Panthers win, you know, maybe that's something to look forward to, you know, as a Florida fan, at least you get something there. That's how you get more fans, you know? I mean, Panthers, I for sure believe that now Miami fans, you know, they're getting more into hockey. Um, shout out to the Panthers for this run. I think they're bringing in a lot more fans for, you know, a newer generation to come. So it's cool to see. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think I've pretty much said everything I want to say, I've had to say. I mean, I do want to know. I just want to give a shout out to the role players real quick for the Heat. Um, especially to my guy, Duncan, bro. Um, he went from, you know, one of the biggest contracts, one of the worst contracts in the league, to unplayable, to now found his way back into the rotation and absolutely capitalizing on the opportunity he's been given. And easy, I mean, shooting the ball well, cutting is great. Um, and even through the little taunt in Game 7, which I really liked. Um, and... The one knock we've always had on Duncan has been his defense. I've been somewhat impressed with his defense so far this run, and it hasn't looked bad. But um, shout out to Duncan, shout out to Gabe Vincent, what something I never thought I would say. Um, and I'm pretty sure I can, that goes to both of you. Um, you know, Gabe has played very well this playoff run. Gabe has played very well this playoff run. Um, hopefully, he keeps that up because we need it. Um, he's been shooting well, playmaking well, you know, he's been doing, he's been doing good things for us. He hasn't been too out of control, which is like his issue sometimes. He gets too, you know, out of control, takes dumb shots sometimes, but I haven't really seen much of that from him, so shout out to, to Gabe for that. Struis has some timely buckets, shout out to him. Um, yeah, I mean, just shout out to everyone on the, on the Heat too, you know. Jimmy, shout out to you. Bam, shout out to you. Caleb, you're a goat. J. Cole, you're a goat for time to come to Miami. Um, Spo, love you, man. Best coach in the league. Um, Riley, I'm, I know we got you this year, but you're the best. You know, shout out to the Godfather. Um, Mickey, you're still a cheap ass owner. Get some fucking rally shirts instead of the towels. A month ago or so, or two months ago. None of you would have thought we would be saying that the Miami Heat would be playing NBA Finals basketball today. But here we are, you know, the eight-seeded Miami Heat who lost their first playing game to the Hawks, which I was at. And it looked demoralizing, you know, the Heat looked defeated. And with three minutes left against the Bulls, they were down three. And then they went on a 15-1 run to end that game. And... You know, from there, you know, the sky's been the limit for them. So, it's, so it can only go up from here. So let's see what the finals brings upon us. 
Yeah, for sure. And uh, yeah, speaking of Duncan, he he still needs to come on Burner Talk. We're we're still working on that. But uh, good on him for hooping. He's been hooping. But yeah, um, I think that's all we got. Chris, what what was your thoughts debut appearance? Um, how was it? Um, it was fun, man. I definitely enjoyed being on the pod. Would definitely want to come back in the future, and I appreciate you bringing me on. It was really good. I think uh, we definitely had some good conversations. For sure, for sure. Appreciate you for taking the time to come on. I haven't posted in a while, so got to get this up ASAP. But, yeah, final start tomorrow. Heat Nuggets, I think it's 8.30 or 9, 8.30. Technically, this start later today, 8.30. Yeah, later today. It's, it's 1 o'clock. But, yeah, you know what I meant? But, yeah, this was a – it was a great episode. Thanks again to Chris and Tommy for joining me. Um, if you enjoyed this episode, make sure to follow me on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And make sure you go check out the last episode with Wale Parks. I think that was a really good one uh, from Superman and Lois. So more episodes to come. Get your merch. And as always, thanks for keeping it real. This is your host, Jay. And you just listen to Burn and Talk. I'm out of here. Peace. <laughs>